You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Do you believe today that there's power in the name of Jesus? Amen. You know, um, Jesus asks his disciples a very pointed question in the Gospels. Who do you say that I am? And they say, well, we're hearing a lot of things, you know. We hear some people say that you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Some people say that you're Elijah, reincarnated. And he says to them essentially, I didn't ask you what people are saying. I asked you, who do you say that I am? And that honestly, that's the question. That is the question. Christianity is not about believing what your parents believe. It's not about agreeing with what your neighbor tells you. Christianity is about a relationship with this Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. Christianity is an existential religion. And, and there are some people that, that caution about even using the word religion because it is a relationship with Jesus. And a relationship with Jesus comes with hazards. This is the guy who said, if you would come after me, you must deny yourself and take up a cross, you know? Uh, but I'm telling you, as someone, as someone who's around the halfway point in my life, there's power in the name of Jesus. And I think there's probably some people in this room closer to the end than I am that would say, let me tell you, there's still power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Um, if you're wondering what you sense today, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be reading from the Gospel of John. Uh, from book, from uh, John chapter five. If you have your Bibles with you, go to John chapter five. Believe it or not, today we're gonna be hanging out by the pool. We got any pool bodies in here? Anybody like the pool? I like the pool, you know. I don't have a pool. It'd be nice to have a pool, you know. Anybody in here got a pool? Amen, somebody. Got a pool, right. We got some pools. It's nice to have a pool, especially when it's hot outside. So Jesus, the, the one who is the source of living water, he's hanging out by a pool today, John chapter five. Um, reading from the New Revised Standard Version, if uh, this, the scripture will also be on the screen. After this, there was a festival of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew, Beth Zatha, it's also called Beth, say, um, Bethesda, and you know, we're translating into English. There's lots of different opinions of how this should be translated into English, but this is the pool that Jesus was by. And the pool has five porticos, or like covered porches, so that you know, people can get uh, relief from the sun. And in these, in the porticos, the porches, there lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, if you're reading along in your Bible, believe this is one of the places in scripture where a verse is left out. We go from verse three to verse five in your text. 
But verse four, like in, verse, in my Bible, verse four is actually in the footnote. It's not actually in the text because it was added after the fact um, uh, as kind of a clarification here for those of you and I who did not grow up in first century Jerusalem. Uh, verse four says, uh, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. Pretty cool situation here in Jerusalem, in this pool. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you wanna be made well? That's a good question. That is the question. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well and he took up his mat and he began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. This is foreshadowing. You all know you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, right? So this was a Sabbath. I lost my place. Uh, verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them. The man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. I mean, if somebody cures you of your situation, you're probably gonna listen to whatever they're telling you to do too, you know? It's like, oh, no, thank you very much. Okay, pick up my mat, I'm gonna pick up my mat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> you know, poor guy. It's like getting in trouble for getting healed, you know? Uh, now, the, now the man who had been healed did not know who, uh, they asked him, who is the man uh, that said, take your mat? Now he didn't know, verse 13, the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse may happen to you. That's interesting. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. What a story. So Jesus finds this man by the pool and he asks him this question, do you want to be made well? And that question that Jesus asks the man at the pool, do you wanna be made well? That's the question that he's asking us today. Do you actually want to be made well? So where is Jesus here? Tell me about this, this Jerusalem city pool. You know, we got the Wapak pool, the Delphus pool, you know, we need, we need a pool in Lima, you know? Now, some of you guys are like, man, don't be getting political. You can't just have a pool, you know? We had schoonovers. Is schoonovers getting opened up this year? Is that not? It's not, I don't think. Yeah, no. You know, I like a pool. And so is that what this is? Is this like a municipal pool? Is this a public works pool? Well, this has always bothered me. So this week I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm preaching on John chapter five. I'm gonna figure out what's with the pool. You know, was Jesus kind of a pool guy? Did he like pools? And is John kind of letting us know this? Well, this pool that Jesus, is, that Jesus comes to is a pool that's close to the temple. Believe it or not, 
in Jesus's day, there was actually a renewal of faith that was happening in Judaism. That John the Baptist was a part of this. John is a prophet who comes and he says, repent, come and be baptized. And baptism is not just a Christian sacrament that was invented you know, after Jesus, but baptism is an ancient custom in Judaism where people recognizing they needed to experience teshuva, which is turning to God. They would, they would come uh, and they would, they would, in water, they would symbolize that they, were, that they were being renewed, that they were being made new. And we've, we've obviously kept some of this uh, tradition you know, in, in the Christian sacrament of baptism. Uh, and so, so people were calling people to repentance. And actually in Jerusalem, they dug several pools, which were actually called mikvahs. And these mikvahs were these pools where people would come to be purified and they would be, you know, they would repent from sin and be purified in the water. And they would also just wash themselves to be pure before going into the temple to worship because you needed to be pure before going to the temple to worship. So Jesus is walking by a pool and maybe even immersing himself in a pool to be purified in order to go to the temple. This invalid who we hear has, has had this condition for 38 years, he's smart, right? I mean, if you're, if you're poor because you're an invalid, and you want money, a really good place to beg for money would probably be at a pool where religious people are coming out about to go to worship. I mean, how bad would you feel, you know, to be, you're, you're getting ready for worship and somebody asks you for money and everybody around is looking at you, you're, you know, you're gonna give them money. You know what I'm saying? This is sympathy, you know? And so this guy, this is kind of his gig. He hangs out at the pool, he gets the sun, you know, we don't know how much chlorine, but he, you know, he gets the sun, he gets to cool himself off occasionally, and he gets money from people that are, that are going to the temple to cleanse themselves for worship, okay? So this, uh, so th- yeah, I just, I guess I, I wanted to do away with, you know, the myth that Jesus was a pool guy in a sense. I don't know that municipal pools would come forward, you know, with kind of chlorinated version that we know today for quite some time, in case all of you high schoolers were wondering about that today. Anyway. So the son of God, Jesus notices this man at the pool and he asks him this question, do you wanna be well? It's an interesting question, but it's also an insightful question. You see, while it might seem obvious to us that this man would want to be well, we ought to recognize that being made well in a, in a physical sense would mean that this man would regain all of his physical capacity and he would lose his disability, the disability that had become his identity. The scripture tells us that he had endured this infirmity uh, for 38 years. That's a long time. This man's disability had become his identity. I had a conversation with Daryl Kraft this week about this scripture. Many of you may know Daryl. He and his wife, Carol, were actually in the first service. He's an incredible man who has persevered despite many, but despite being uh, limited physically due to several strokes that he's suffered. And before you're concerned that I'm sharing about a guy without asking him, Daryl actually told me to talk about him. So I'm just, I'm, I'm actually following Daryl's advice, I'm, I'm talking about him uh, at his request. So Daryl's had several strokes. 
Daryl talked to me about the relationship that he now with a disability has with this new identity as one with a disability, but not only one with a disability, but also the financial assistance that comes with being someone who receives disability. There is a certain form of security in Daryl's identity as one with a disability. And what's interesting, you know, Daryl's talking to me about, you know, our system of disability now, but it, in a similar sense, this man's disability by the pool also provided some sort of financial stability, right? Because people would give him money. For Daryl, being made well would mean that he would lose his disability payments, right? So he had a job that he was unable to do. And now, you know, he's in this different situation. Although he's making a lot of progress, there is kind of this shift in identity that happens where, you know, he was established, but now, now he's, you know, taking disability. And, and the thing is, if he were to be completely healed, he would have to kind of relearn or reorient himself to a, a life in, you know, the workforce again, because, you know, we have people that are policing these things. We don't want there to be insurance fraud and this type of stuff, right? I mean, but, and so it's, so Daryl has this kind of complicated relationship with, with being physically healed. Daryl's incredibly courageous and righteous. And he, on his own accord, uh, wanted me to know that he's actually still praying toward physical healing, even though that it would, it would require him to take on yet again another identity and have to kind of relearn, you know, a different, a different way of life. But Daryl is convinced that if he were to be completely healed, get this, Daryl is convinced that if he were to be completely healed, God would provide for him again in new ways in the same way that God has provide for, provided for him with his disability. He's an incredible guy. And you may be thinking to yourself, man, this, is, this sermon today is about people with you know, physical disabilities or handicaps and you know, monetary uh, compensation, this type of thing. Actually, this sermon is not just about people with physical disabilities. Uh, the point is sometimes when you're made well, that fundamentally changes your way of life. And so when Jesus asked the question, I get an amen from the lady with the, running the recovery house, right? I mean, being well fundamentally changes your way of life and actually being made well requires you to completely reorient your life, right? This isn't, this isn't easy stuff. And Jesus asks the really important question, do you actually want to be made well? porn addict, do you really want to be made well? Those addicted to drugs, do you want to be made well? The social media addict that kind of, you know, complains about, you know, you have problems with your mind and racing and even you're prone to depression. Do you, do you actually want to be made well? Those of you whose marriages seem completely unfixable. You whine about your issues with your husbands to your friends, you know, or vice versa. Do you actually want to be made well? That's the question that Jesus asks us today. It's honestly, it's the question that Jesus asks of me this week. 
I've been thinking a lot about this question. Jonathan, do you really wanna be made well? Anybody in here good at holding grudges? It's kind of fun to hold a grudge, you know? Because you know you're right. Okay, I'm not gonna talk about you. I know I'm right, you know? They're wrong. And that's kind of fun, you know? And Jesus asked me the question, do you wanna be made well? You wanna let it go. The man's response to the question is very interesting. He goes off on this whole story about, you know, how he doesn't have people, you know, that's kind of out of his control. He says, the sick, the sick man answered Jesus, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm going down, somebody steps in before me, right? This is, this is, this is his response to Jesus asking him if he wants to be made well in verse seven. What's interesting is the man doesn't even answer Jesus' question. He just starts talking, he just starts giving kind of reasons why he can't be made well. And the reasons have nothing to do with him. They have reasons, they have, they have everything to do with all the circumstances around him, you know? Well, I can't because them, you know? Notice Jesus doesn't give us any teaching about them. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say anything about them, you know? He's concerned with this guy, with the invalid. And I felt as I was reading this text this week, I, I felt the same way. Uh, it's very easy when you're preparing a sermon to like think about people. It's like, oh man, I'm gonna throw this one in because this will help fix that person. And the Lord's like, I'm not, I'm not interested in fixing them. It'd be a miracle for that congregation if I could fix you. <laughs> Imagine what revival would break out with those people if we could just fix you, Jonathan, you know what I'm saying? I mean, really, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's real. But uh, this man's approach is interesting. So I had mentioned in reading the text that the part about the angel coming down and stirring the waters was not in the original manuscripts of the book of John. Somebody added it in later. And the reason for that is, you know, if someone in, in ancient, this, this pool was, uh, had this legend around it that an angel would come down and stir the waters. We don't know how many times this happened, but we do think that there was some miraculous healing or healings that happened at this pool and that there really were invalids that laid around this pool waiting for the angel to come down again and touch the water. And if they could be the first one in, then they would be healed. That's kind of the way the, the, the lore was around this pool, the, the idea of the story. Well, what's interesting, again, we don't know if this is happening daily, weekly, if it happened once a year, if it happened maybe just a couple of times in you know, the 38 years or just once, we don't know, right? But what we do know is that this man's strategy for getting well was to hang out by the pool for 38 years. And so Jesus, you know, he looks at this man with a very fine suntan. You know what I'm saying? He's all oiled up. You know what I'm saying? He's got his short shorts on. And he's asking for money. And Jesus says, my man, do you really, really want to be made well? You know, and, and it's, a good, it's a good question, you know? This guy's not very aggressive in his strategy of getting made well, right? I think about our, our own hangups and our own addictions, our own problems. And I wonder, uh, this is now my question, not Jesus's question. Is your approach to your healing getting the results you're looking for? 
if they're if it's not, why are you still doing it? You know? Is your approach to your healing getting the results that you're looking for? I think about pornography addiction. There was a couple, several years ago, I was sitting in my office with a guy and he's telling me about, you know, how he's, he has this addiction. But it was kind of, I kind of sensed that he just owned that about himself, that we were never gonna move past this. This was just kind of a part of who he was. And eventually I just asked him the question, do you actually believe that this can change? Or are we, just, are we just gonna keep doing this, this cycle? Are you not gonna change your behavior at all? Are we not gonna you know, do this accountability thing? You know, what's going on here? Essentially, I asked this guy the question, do you want to be made well? Several years back, I was um, in conversations with another man who was about to lose his family because of his addiction to alcohol. And I just asked him, I, I, said, I said, do you want to be completely restored in your marriage and your family life? Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems to me that there's this thing that always keeps causing problems for you in your life and it's alcohol. Let's do away with that completely. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, sorry, I'm just, come, come at me. Tell me what's, what's the issue with that? He said, some of my favorite drinks are alcoholic. <laughs> I said, do you not see the problem here, my man? But, but this, but we do this, we do this. I mean, it's kind of like, it's, it's funny to sit and think about other people, but like, let's just think about me, you know? I've got some extra pounds here. The thing is, I like ice cream. I could be made well, you know what I'm saying? But I like the pool, you know what I'm saying? I like the pool, you know? And, and I just wonder, to myself, what's your pool today? What's your pool? Sometimes it's, it's helpful uh, when, I, you know, when preaching to kind of give everybody something to work on together. Now, oftentimes that's what we do, but I, I think that today really, this is, this is something personal. I think Jesus asks each and every one of us, do you, do you really want to be made well? It's kind of fun sometimes to have someone to hold someone of a grudge in your marriage so that you can, you know, talk to your buddies or your friends about your spouse. But for some of you, that's your pool. You need to get away from it. And you need to imagine what God could actually do if you forgive. If you think optimistically, positively, if you encourage, if you change your tone. Um, I believe that God can heal our marriages. I think about physical ailments. You ever go to the doctor and the doctor says to you, you know what you need to do is you need to eat more natural and organic foods. You need to drink water and you need to exercise. Does the doctor ever say this to you? You ever heard any of these words before? Higher fiber diet, this type of thing. Some of you are nodding yes. And we don't do it, right? We don't do it. Why? Because we like the pool, you know? 
And Jesus says to us, do you want to be well? The doctor says to us, do you want to be well? And the answer is not really, <laughs> you know? There are some things maybe aren't be worth being, you know, sacrificing to be made well, right? You know, the problem with living in a society in which we have pills and surgery to take care of a lot of our physical problems is that we haven't taught ourselves to do the preventative work and just the hard response work of actually sustainably being made well and living well. This is a societal problem. Um, I, I, understand, I understand that depression is, is very prevalent in our society, but yet everyone is telling us the rate of depression and anxiety is also directly correlated with the rate of consumption of social media. Like we know this is a thing. We, we know this. We, we know that, we know that, that children, you know, develop, developmentally are having a hard time engaging or listening or because, because of the, the, the devices that we're handing them. Like, like these are things that we're figuring out. But the fact of the matter is, we like our vices, you know, and I, I'm, I realize I'm, you know, I'm a parent, so I'm kind of picking on, on things that I, that I recognize in my own life I kind of need to do better on and, you know, that the Lord's speaking to me. But, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, the, seriously, the, the question that Jesus asked to this man at the pool is so relevant. And if we would allow ourselves to recognize that we, we do spend a lot of our time at the pool, <laughs> you know, in kind of a metaphorical sense, We ask doctors to give us medicine and perform surgeries on our bodies to do things that we might be able to take care of on our own, just doing the work of, you know, being well and being made well. The story's not just about a lame man. The story's about me. The story's about you. At the end of the story, Jesus finds the man in the temple. Did you remember that part? He comes back around. Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, this is interesting. Jesus tells him, do not sin anymore. There's another time in the book of John and actually a more famous time in the book of John that Jesus tells someone, go and sin no more. Do you remember when when this is, it's in John 9, when the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus, he lifts her head. He, he says, where are those that condemn you? She says, nowhere. He says, well, then neither do I condemn you, right? These, these people had brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. He says, hey, the law says that we can stone this woman because she committed adultery. And Jesus says this brilliant line, all right, let him without sin cast the first stone. Well, they realized they'd been indicted <laughs> along with this woman they were trying to indict for, for sin. And so they all leave. He lifts, he lifts her head and says, where are you, those who condemn you? She says, nowhere, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. And in that story, we read those words, go and sin no more. And it's obvious to us what Jesus is saying to her. He's saying, stop messing around, right? Don't sin. 
be faithful, right? This is obvious. But in this story, he says to a man hanging out by the pool, go sin no more. And all of you that love the pool are like, no, don't say it. It's not a sin to go to the pool. Is it, is it, is it? That's not the sin. You can breathe a, you can breathe a sigh of relief. He's not, he's, not, he's not necessarily upset, you know, for sun tanning. But if you're gonna tan too much, remember, use your sunscreen, folks, okay? It says we're moving toward the summer. Um, maybe this man's sin is that he is living less than the life that God is calling him to. Maybe that's his sin. Maybe his sin is a sin not of commission, of something that he's doing. Maybe it's a sin of omission, of what he's not doing. And Jesus, Jesus says to the man, hey, stop playing around. I'm calling you to something higher and you know that you're called to something higher. The words that Jesus says to him are very powerful. He says, pick up your mat and walk, right? Pick up your mat and walk. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just like laying on my mat. Amen, somebody. You know, sometimes it's difficult to get out of bed in the morning. I don't know about you. Maybe you're prone to depression. Maybe you are prone to sloth. You know, maybe you just need, maybe you just need to hear these. Some of you maybe just need to hear these words of Jesus today. Hey, get up, get up. I have more for you. You've been living in darkness. Get up, walk, take your mat and walk, move forward. I'm calling you to something higher. I don't know what your thing is, but I believe that God wants to heal you. I believe God wants to heal us. But sometimes the healing doesn't come miraculously and instantaneously the way that we want it to. You know, I mean, we still live in a fallen world where people die of things like, like cancer. We, we still live in a world um, where our bodies are deteriorating, right? There are, there are some things that are out of our control. I love the serenity prayer. It's a prayer that prays that God would give us the wisdom and the humility to know the difference between things that we can change and the things that we can't change. I love that prayer. That's the spirit of it, right? to know the difference between the things that we can change and the things that we can't. And for this man by the pool, Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't asking him, you know, to perform a miracle on himself necessarily, but what he is telling him to do is to change that which he can change, to take up his mat and to walk into the risk, to walk into the life of faith that God has for him. And on today, graduation Sunday, May 22nd, 2022, I do wonder how, how might God want to heal you? Would you stand with me? How might he want to heal us? Maybe today is a good day to pray. Maybe today is a good day to surrender, to say, you know what, Lord, I need healing. I need restoration. I need to stop, I need to stop sitting by the pool. But God, you're calling me to something higher and I need to respond. Lord Jesus, we have gathered in your name today. 
And we, we are desperate for your word to transform us and speak to us. Lord, would you help us today to be open and attentive to what you would say? Would you heal us? Would you give us the courage to pick up our mat and walk? Would you give us the humility and the wisdom to know the difference between things in life that we can change and can't change? Would you give us the courage to change those things that is in our ability, in our power to change? We pray this for the power, the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in these days. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the work you do among us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord today. May God bless you this week. Would you go in his peace and in his power? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.